idea or what I'm going to share actually is geared more towards those who are, you know, active in ministry, you know, just play your part, like play your part and do it well. And whether it's, you know, in front, whether it's in the back, whether it's in the middle, like, I feel like one thing about my experience in ministry is a lot of the times people desire to maybe have, you know, what we would consider the limelight or, you know, to have, you know, bigger roles or do more, be seen more. But St. Joseph tells us, you know, hide your heart. Right. And and how many times, you know, are we needed with whatever gift we have? And it may not be the most glamorous job. It may not be, you know, the most idolized part of the body, but it all still counts. And, and just like you said, bro, you're going to have your time where Jesus is going to say, I need you. Jesus is going to say, I need that gift. Like, so if whatever your role is in your ministry, in your parish, in youth ministry, in adult ministry, whatever your retreat team, just know every single role matters and just do it with conviction. Do it with knowing that Jesus is counting on us. Jesus is counting on you. Um, and I think that's something that I valued growing up in St. Basil's was that there was nothing too small for me to do whether it was cleaning up you know washing dishes after a big pancake breakfast whether it was you know unloading the the vans and all the buses from the retreats like i didn't even care like at the end of the day you know the spirit of esther awani was always with me Thank you for tuning in to another Project Whetstone podcast brought to you by Blaze Ministry 707, where our goal is to help shape and sharpen your faith by sharing our faith experience growing up in the 707 and beyond. I am your co-host, Bro Rye, along with Brother CeeLo Terrell and Brother Jeremy Mallet. What's going on, fellas? Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy He's risen. Easter, brothers. <laughs> yes, he is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. So good to be with you all. And you know, this is a cool time because this is the first season, right, of the liturgical season that we all did for our first podcast. So this is definitely history in the making. One of, you know, God willing, the many seasons, not called, not just the, the podcast season, but the liturgical season that we get to celebrate. And and it's definitely been, again, I know we talk about it every week, super fruitful because we're just diving into these readings in a whole nother light. And, you know, when I'm sitting in mass and I'm listening to the readings and honestly, bro, I was on that dark night. I'm still on the dark night, to be honest, <laughs> uh, the dark night of the soul. So as I'm and, and, it, and we saw that that video, right, Bishop Barron put out about the dark night of the soul. And I was just like I was actually sharing that earlier this week with my confirmation class and they were just blown away with like the idea of being the fire right like these kids are like oh wow like yeah be the fire like you know mm -hmm. um saint john's uh, analogy but no it's funny i'll just listen i'll be in mass and i'll be listening and i'm just thinking about our podcast to be honest like how we broke it down and it's very similar to what you know the the priest and the homily is sharing or even the deacon because they're breaking down every reading and it really just enhances my experience in mass so um i just want to thank y'all you know for for offering this opportunity so if you're new to the podcast or you've been rocking with us for a while you know um i know we release them on sunday and we're going to be working with that because if we can release them before the mass and give you an opportunity to hear us 
before you go into mass, I think it can definitely make a huge difference than listening it, listen to listening to it after. So, um, so yeah, just want to just throw that out there. And, um, yeah, this Lenten season has been definitely a different one just for the fact that we made this commitment. We made this commitment to our listeners and to those who, um, are listening, whether you're listening it to it on the day of the release or not. So we are, are just thankful for that. Uh, yeah. How how y'all fellas doing? Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Hanging in there, man. Just, you know, each day, each day, just enjoying each day and, uh, not taking anything for granted, especially with your kids, especially with your kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, and I will say, I love, again, as I was, you know, sharing with, with the brothers pre-recording, I was like, you know, as I listen and edit, you know, so many different things that I get inspired to do with, you know, brother Jay's nuggets and his, and his depth and thinking of just making like, uh, you know, a, a bunch of quotes on Canva <laughs> and just putting them out there, just trying to design something. And then Brother Carlo with just, the, you know, all the the in real time, right, stories with you and the boys and being a father and a husband. I just feel like, oh, man, I was, just, like, I was telling them earlier, like, maybe make a cartoon or something of like a comic book or something of of, of your, you know, the, I call it the Terrell Tales, y'all. You know, Veggie Tales is cool, but the Terrell Tales Two rail tails, I think, would be an amazing idea. And, and that's what I'm saying, man. Like, there's there's so many adventures that we go on together. Um, you know, and I just think about how movies are written, you know. It's the, the great epics of, you know, say, like, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. It's like, it's just one moment at a time. Um, and just enjoying each and every moment with your family and seeing my sons grow up. I mean, that's to me, like I'm living that adventure and I want to experience every piece of it. And that's, that's what every day is for me. You know, the good, the bad and the ugly of all of it, you know, so. I'd watch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely watched that movie too. It'd be loud, bro. It'd be a loud (laughs) movie. There'd be a lot of uh, THX sound effects going on bro hey and i'll be straight up what i love about bro Cilo when we have our check-ins throughout the week i mean my man like all four boys just be in the background doing their thing and Cilo's just so focused on on my voice or you know in our conversation and sometimes i'll be like holding the phone away like bro like are you good i'm like i'm like could you hear me you know and and here's carl like yeah i'm good bro we're good i'm like are you sure i could call you back and he's like nah bro we're good i'm i'm cooking i got my headset in i'm like bruh that that's is it. headset bro that's the key <laughs> have a headset and a phone that you could hook onto your pants and you're good bro <laughs> how about that's how about you it. bro jay does that how's it work for you when you know when the kids are getting a little little loud little off the hook do you gotta like you know remove yourself if you're doing some or are you can you like focus through it oh man <laughs> it really depends like but yeah there's just some things that like no other person on the planet can uh, that my daughters can do, which is like push my buttons to where, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, I, you know, the, the worst is, is it, I'll put them in timeout and I'm still training uh, my youngest Joan to to sit in the corner. So I'll have to sit in the corner with her. 
<laughs> throughout time out because she she just wants to leave she doesn't want to stay there <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. definitely and modeled behavior right right just like we talked about this podcast you know jesus wouldn't do wouldn't ask us to do something he wouldn't do himself so my man jay is in the corner with joan like look we're gonna sit here okay because yep. then when i ask you to sit here and it's time for a timeout, you're gonna have to do it and, you know so that is beautiful and um you know and definitely Joan, J- Joan and Louisa, when y'all hear this, you know, years from now, just know your dad's the man. So, um, yes. All right, fellas. Well, look, happy Easter. I know it has been a ride and and it definitely flew by a lot faster. I think, again, a lot because of the way we've been diving into the scriptures and the way we've been breaking it down and the way we've been, you know, really making time, you know, every, you know, the same day of the week to record this podcast. So, so, you know, one of my takeaways from this whole experience so far is no matter what you do with your faith, I feel like just make some time, no matter how long or how short, and just commit to it. If that means reading the Psalms, if that means just spending time in nature, nice and quiet, if that means, you know, just some, doing something intentional for your faith, no matter what liturgical, no matter what, you know, part, we, what, no matter what season we're in, in the liturgical calendar, I think definitely helps definitely helps i mean have y'all felt or noticed a difference um with the way time kind of flew specifically uh, because of this practice or you know this time that we've, we've been spending together yeah i definitely say that this lent the pace of lent this time because of these uh recordings and podcasts it it definitely flew by yeah i feel like uh it was something to focus on every week you know, versus just letting each day go by and kind of just letting the 40 days run down, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's, I think it goes to say, and I think every adult has experienced this when you're busy, that time goes by quick, you know? So I think, uh, reflecting on it and not just twiddling your thumbs makes the time go by a lot faster. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think one of the sayings I, you know, it always go by is like, you know, your, your, focus goes where your energy flows or maybe it's the other way your energy flows where your focus goes one of those but you know the idea is that every week we have this focus and bro you're like yeah you know we have this focus and and getting together and preparing our hearts and our spirits making time on the calendar and i think the key here y'all is intentionality so if uh, you're struggling with your faith right now if you're listening to this podcast because it was referred to you by a friend or one of us you know, use number one, take your time with it. Number two, use the timestamps. And number three, right, like really be intentional. Be intentional with this time. Like I've been sharing the podcast with with a lot of young adults, um, different folks in the communities. And I'm just like, you know, let this be part of, you know, your playlist, but be specific, be intentional. So, you know, like, and I say that, like, listen when you know you can really listen, not just to just put something on while you're doing something that's not going to necessarily give you the focus, right? And I think that's what God really um is calling us to do is just to be with him and focused on him with less distractions possible and if we you know if you do that intentionally and uh, you know as our as we've been doing these last you know six weeks i think it definitely um makes a huge difference so so yeah so happy easter everybody uh we are again just thank you thankful for each and every one of you 
who are listening to the podcast, sharing the podcast, but more importantly, hearing God through the podcast, first and foremost, hearing his word and through our reflections and breakdowns, giving you ways to just even dive deeper in something to gnaw on. So here we are, y'all, Easter Sunday, the first, the first Sunday in Easter. And what's crazy is that most people, sadly enough, most people will think Lent is the Easter season. Oh man, that makes me cringe so many times. Like, People were like, oh, yeah, Easter season during Lent. Huh? <laughs> and, they, and they think like the Easter season is Ash Wednesday because I'll always ask the kids. So when does Easter start and when does it end? Or like it starts on Ash Wednesday and ends on Easter Sunday. And I'm just like, oh, man, we got work to do. We got work to do. <laughs> so technically speaking, y'all, OK, if you're listening to this, OK, we're going to get technical on y'all. Lent. The season actually ends on Holy Thursday. Yes, technically speaking, it ends on Holy Thursday. And then the Triduum, okay, the Holy Thursday through Easter Vigil is its own season and it's meant to be somber and meant to be reflective. And then the Easter season starts on Easter Sunday. So today is day one of the Easter season 2021. Anything you want to add on there, Jay or Brosilo? Uh, so just like... Well, well mo- much of the world will, will only celebrate Easter as this one day. But, you know, Catholics, you gotta, we have to, you know, celebrate big. And so, you know, we celebrate in octaves and seasons. And so we're, we're celebrating Easter, not, not just with one day, but first we start out with an octave, which is eight days, oct- you know. Uh, so from this, this whole week will be... Uh, one big Easter celebration. And then we continue to celebrate Easter for a whole season, a whole 50 days. You know, and so we, um, the Easter season is a, is a basically a season of celebration where we're feasting, uh, the whole season long as a church. All right. So real quick, Jay, again, all right. So octaves, and that's a whole nother dynamic. We definitely want to jump into at some point, but I know we do the octaves, which is the eight days, but did y'all hear that? I hope y'all are catching this. Y'all Jay said 50 days, y'all five zero. So imagine 50 days of celebration versus the 40 days of Lent. Come on, come on, y'all like just thinking of comparison, right? Love and celebration over everything. But Again, I just I love that. I just, you know, just thought about that. Like, oh, 50 days and there's 40 days in Lent. Hmm. I see the the drifters like, yeah, we're going to suffer, but we're going to celebrate more. And as as I recall, Sunday, every Sunday is a celebration. Every Sunday is a celebration. It doesn't change, y'all. So I think that. But today is just that mark. Right. Easter is that mark of this first day one of 50 to celebrate, to rise. And if you're not feeling the spirit right now, if you are not feeling risen because you got to eat whatever you abstain from or you got to do and, you know, appreciate some of the things that you're doing. Like, oh, man, I can't even mess with you, y'all. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. If you are not feeling the risen spirit right now as you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to just keep you in my prayers because it's all about the dark night of the soul. That's all I got to say, dark night of the soul. So before we get into today's first reading, we're just going to, you know, Jay, if you could just go ahead and again, um, share a little bit about the theme of today's readings for us. And then the first reading, y'all, is going to be from the book of Acts, chapter 10, 34a, 37 through 43. All right. So 
Today we're celebrating the day for which the whole world from the time of the fall uh, from original sin uh, has been waiting. We're celebrating Easter, which is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And like we mentioned, it's not just today. Uh, while much of the world will only celebrate with one day, you know, um, Easter is like Christmas. We, we celebrate with an octave and a season. It works out for Catholics because, you know, Walmart and those other places, they'll put all their stuff on sale the following day, and we're still celebrating. So, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so we'll, we'll be celebrating Easter all the way until the Feast of Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the holiest and most solemn celebration of the entire calendar, even more so than Christmas, uh, which is the other principal feast around which our calendar revolves. And it's because that this is the hour for which Jesus came, what Jesus was incarnate and born to do. It wasn't just to die for us, but it was also to rise for us. And so our theme is raised to new life. Jesus is raised to new life, and in doing so, he raises humanity to a new life. There's Jesus, there's, the, there's humanity, the newly founded church, each of us individually, creation, God's people, all things have been raised to new life through Christ. And the, the Easter vigil really drives this idea home, since the first of, of the seven readings are the creation and the fall. And we've been waiting ever since God spoke that judgment to Adam and Eve, that the offspring of the woman would be at enmity, or they would be enemies with the offspring of the serpent, and that the children of the serpent would strike at the heel, while the offspring of the woman would strike at the serpent's head. And so the, the cross, which we remember on Good Friday, uh, was the strike at the heel. The Son of God, who was indeed killed in his humanity, but God raised him up so that death is no longer humanity's brick wall, but now a stepping stone and our, our gateway to paradise. This resurrection is the strike at the head of the serpent, the destruction of death. By dying, Christ destroys our death. And so in this astonishing and stunning way for God to, to save, the whole way through God is surprising us, surprise after surprise, and tra transcends uh, the greatest goods that we can imagine for ourselves. Because even though God has been indicating his plans for us every step of the way, it's always beyond our imagining, as we spoke about before. And so our readings will reflect this new awareness that we now have a new life in Christ. And so we're, in a sense, called to live that new life out, which will be different from what we've been living in the past. So any... any thoughts or questions before we jump into the first reading i you know one thing i want to throw in there was um just to like not water it down but just kind of to make it easier for an eight-year-old to understand i always told my son like this is the day that he showed the entire world that he was the boss of everything including death and that just makes so much sense to him he's just like everything like yeah everything like he controls everything, everything obeys him, including death. And he's like, wow. So that's all. Just want to throw that in there. Yeah. So the first reading, y'all, book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 34a through 37 through 43. Right. So the first reading is from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. 
So all the first readings throughout Easter will be from this book. Typically throughout the year, we'll read from the Old Testament in the first reading. Throughout Easter, we'll be reading from uh, the Acts of the Apostles. And so let's take a look at just real briefly what the book of Acts is. Uh, so it's written by the same author as the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the church has put these two books together, and there's, there's some people who call the, these two works together Luke Acts because it's clearly written by the same person. The Gospel of Luke is written to, you know, it's addressing some fictional character named Theophilus, and this is supposed to be sort of a, a symbolic stand-in for any lover of God, right? That's what the, the name Theophilus means. And the book of the Acts of the Apostles is written to the same Theophilus. And many of the themes that appear in Luke's gospel will appear in the Acts of the Apostles. So the Acts of the Apostles is basically a, a sequel to, to Luke's gospel because it picks up right where Luke's gospel ends. So Luke's gospel ends with Jesus rising into heaven. And then the Acts of the Apostles picks up right there and follows, okay, Jesus has risen into heaven. What do the 12 who go from disciples, disciples are, you know, students under a discipline of their, of their master to apostles, people who are sent. That's what it means to be an apostle. So Jesus's disciples have now been commissioned. They've been sent out to do Christ's work and what Christ has given them to do. This reading, we start with the 10th chapter. Now, this chapter is about Peter, and uh, earlier in the chapter, what we don't see being read here is that Peter has come to the house of a Gentile named Cornelius. He's a, he's a Roman centurion, and what's sort of playing out in the background is how scandalous this would be from a Jewish point of view, because if you were a, a Jewish person, there were certain things that you just could not do because it would be considered ritually unclean. Among those things was eating, you know, certain foods like pork and certain shellfish and things like that. But also uh, stepping into the house of a Gentile. And that's where this is taking place, this speech. Cornelius hears God's voice speaking to him. And, uh, and Cornelius is this, he's a pious Gentile who probably heard of Jesus's teachings and he became uh, God-fearing and righteous and him and all of his household. And he hears this voice tell, telling him to send for Peter and to listen to what Peter has to say. And so Peter is also likewise spoken to by God about how nothing that God has made clean is to be called profane or to be called unclean. And Peter is sort of learning this new way of life along with everyone else. But it, Peter, it's really important that Peter learns it because, again, he's now the leader of the 12. He's sort of taken the reins on of the early church after Jesus. What he says, in a sense, goes. Here what we, what we see is Peter stepping into the house of a Gentile and now officially, in a sense, preaching the good news to the Gentiles. And so this is a, a profound moment uh, in in the Gospels, because prior to Jesus's death, you know, and Jesus focused entirely on uh, the house of Israel. 
but he was preparing his apostles to be sent out to all the world, including the, the house of Israel. But he, he commissions the, the 12 to make disciples of all nations. And so this is this is a profound moment that Peter is preaching to the Gentiles, beginning with Cornelius. And that's why he goes through all, all these things about how the Jews put Jesus to death and that Jesus rose from the dead and that anyone, we should emphasize anyone who believes in his name, will, their sins will be forgiven and they will be saved. And that's an important piece of this. What What is meant to be focused on here is that it is truly news, like the new in news should be emphasized here because God's salvation and God's covenant is now made accessible to everyone. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, like if if you read immediately after uh, verse thirty four, um, in the study Bible it says, "Truly, I perceive that God shows no partiality." Um, and I know this reading jumps from like 34 in the first line and then jumps straight to 37. Mm -hmm. um, but it just, you know, straight up, just black and white. It's not just for one nation anymore. It's, it's for everyone. Um, and I think what's interesting about that is that, you know, through through the past several weeks that we've been studying all the readings, you know, just goes again with the theme that, man, this has been set up from the beginning, you know, that although it was through the, the Jewish people, like this whole thing was set up so that everyone would benefit from him, all of, all of humanity. Um, and I think just, you know, like when people ask, like, oh, is there a God? And, um, you know, some people point to like, well, you know, a cell can can do this and you know there's evolution and you know but then when you realize the whole thing of of humanity and animals and physics and chemistry you realize man there's a whole bunch of rules that are consistent throughout of all of existence it's hard not to believe that someone put those rules in place so that everything works together and so in the same way um you know this reading just kind of like the cherry on top of what we've been building up to, you know, via the Old Testament into the New Testament that, hey, this is this is for everyone, you know, not just not just for the Jews. Um, it's for every single person um, that has heard, you know, the name of Jesus Christ. And who's who's heard the gospel and the truth that that he shared with us. Yeah, no, I just, you know, as you were saying, Jay, like this is a bold proclamation, right? This is him. This is the Acts, right? The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And this is, you know, Peter going in and, you know, sharing what he says. And I love, you know, in this, in the first, even in the first line, he's like, you know, I can imagine him saying, do y'all hear what happened? <laughs> Did you just, you know, hear what happened all throughout, you know, and he breaks it all down. And I love what you said, Brother Carla, where he was like, you know, um, this man, God raised on the third day and granted that he be visible, not to all people, but to us, the witnesses chosen by God. Here's a key in advance. Right. So going back to what you said, Brother Carla, about how all of these things were already part of God's plan. And now they're just fulfilling that mission. And so what that says to me is 
How many times have we had opportunities to be like Peter to speak up? How many times have we had opportunities to proclaim, you know, the the risen Christ, the crucified Christ, just, you know, Jesus Christ in general? And how many times, you know, have we shied away from that? So like going into this Easter season and being this is the first, you know, reading of the Easter season because we're an Easter people, you know, taking lead from Peter, just like Peter taking lead from Jesus. And all of this was all planned by God. And just really like diving into that and seeing the value. And like you said, he's not just preaching to, you know, somewhere where he's comfortable. He's preaching to Gentiles, y'all. So if y'all didn't catch that earlier, he is preaching to Gentiles, people who don't normally, he he doesn't normally maybe associate with or that he doesn't normally talk to, right? He's not, they're not Jews. So again, there's that level of bravery. There's that level of knowing that he's not alone. And I'm not saying even physically, but he know, right, Emmanuel, God is with him. And I feel like that, I think that's a, a reminder to all of us that in the times that, you know, we're uncomfortable to share the faith is when we need to. The times where it's not easy to share the faith and to stand tall for Christ, like that's when we need to. We need to rise. And that's what I'm feeling right now in terms of how we have to stand up. Now, does that mean be on the street corner with the sign saying, honk, if you love Jesus? No. You know, I think that, again, it's it's more of, you know, even in your own daily lives, right, when there's opportunities to stand up for what's right, when there's opportunities to proclaim. Of course, we're not telling you to go to your job and if they don't allow you to talk about religion to go out and you know lose your job. But we are saying we know there's even those little subtle times throughout our day where we can just bring Christ into the fold, where we can bring Christ into our daily actions. And I feel like Peter is reminding us, be brave, be bold, because you're not alone. I want to I want to add something to that, you know, just to bounce off what you're saying. Um, I think this is, you know, for any of the listeners who are not Catholic, who are not Christian, and somehow, you know, find this message reaching your ears. Um, I think, you know, this this template, I guess, is the best way to describe it, is another example of how, even if you are not in the fold right now and you're being called even if you feel like you're not worthy even if you feel like you know church hasn't always been your thing um you know peter just you know the in the previous few days of you know easter was the same dude that was denying jesus you know and now here he is proclaiming him and so what i'm saying is that for all you non-religious non-faithful folk who somehow are hearing this message that plan includes you you know that plan includes all the times that you weren't religious all those times you were a kid or you know a young young adult that just didn't want to go to church you're not excluded you're still part of the game you're still in the system you know and this just shows that you know peter's telling the very dude who denied him you know, just a few days ago is the very dude bringing forth the first announcement to the world of this message. I mean, like, you can't go any harder on the ends of the spectrum than that. You know, I don't know that dude to, here's the miracle that just happened, y'all. You know, so 
again, let me reiterate this to you for, for those brothers and sisters that, you know, never really found themselves, you know, believing, um, never really would call themselves religious. Maybe you weren't even, you know, living a lifestyle that was anywhere near being faithful to Christ. Um, and now somehow, you know, God's voice is in your heart. Somehow you're here listening to this podcast, to this message. It's because you're part of the plan. You know, you're still part of the plan. Um, you know, it's it's never too late, you know, to to develop that relationship, you know, with, with Jesus Christ. It's never too late because up until your last moment, you know, that that hand is being reached out to you. You know, so right, right. I, yeah, like like bro, Rice said, man, just be be brave, be willing to step into it, and I guarantee, I think you'll see a lot of miracles in your face. Because like we mentioned last time, with you know, dark night of the soul, man, when your faith is new, dark night of the soul, and you're a baby, you're gonna be spoon fed, so you're gonna see some stuff. Um, so I hope, I hope. You know, you join us this Easter season in, mm. in finding your destiny with the one who already fashioned an eternal great destiny for you. Man, hey, bro, check this out, y'all. And this is, you know, as you're sharing, I'm thinking about sports analogies. For all my folks out there that play sports, all of our listeners who play sports, who follow sports, just imagine, here's the analogy. You're on the football team and you've been riding because the coach is great, great motivator. He's out on the field doing the drills with you, is just has wisdom and just connects with everybody from the team to the other coaches to the, you know, to the parents, to the community. Great coach. And then, you know, here you are in the fourth quarter, right? Fourth down and goal. And you ain't feeling the, you know, the call. Like coach is calling out a play and you're like, nah, I ain't doing that, man. Right. That's Peter. That's Peter. When the cocks were crowing, y'all. He's like, nah, 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 I don't know that guy, right? And that's that's fourth and goal, right? And you're like, what are you talking about? You know, and Jesus, and Jesus kind of knew, right? So the coach is like, so imagine you denying that play, and then some, God forbid, happens to your coach. And when it's time, you know, like let's just say there was a timeout, coach had a heart attack or he had to leave. But the owner of the team comes out and knows that you, even though you turned your back on your coach he still wants you to run the play he still wants you to start and to take control right and i feel like that's what's happening here like even though this star this player didn't believe or even denied for that split moment whatever the play was and now he's not in charge but the boss is like no i still see it in you and that's how um i believe god sees all of us because we definitely, through our actions and even our thoughts, deny him in so many different ways. So, you know, again, like the invitation of Brother Carlos, like, yo, if you're listening to this, if this is falling on your ears, which we believe are not deaf ears, there is a reason. And so we're going to pray for whatever that reason might be and just pray for you that you can really see how God wants to use you. Again, he did not call the qualified, he qualified the call. Anything you want to add on that, Jay? You want to jump to the the responsorial? Oh, uh, just one more word on uh on the riskiness of what what Peter is doing, because you know at this point they still considered themselves Jewish. The Jews and the Christians wouldn't really part ways until the destruction of the temple, and so they they still considered themselves Jews. And so Peter, who's 
hearing God's voice uh, telling him to to do these things and and to in a sense do something that breaks with Jewish tradition um, is really really brave, <laughs> like because his whole life up until Jesus was about you know observing the law the Torah and and uh, Jewish custom, and now because of the resurrection of Christ, uh, God is saying. God has made all things new, and these things are no longer unclean. And in fact, I'm telling you that you're you're to start seeing Gentiles as you know fellow brothers, fellow members of the body of Christ who are, who are in need of hearing the good news, the gospel, the the life, death, and resurrection. And they are the ones to do it because they were the eyewitnesses. That word comes up. Uh, in in the reading that they are the witnesses of all these things that they've seen firsthand and i really appreciate that you brought up how peter even what was part of the problem in a sense because he was you know he was the one that did not denied even knowing christ and now here he is really making up for that because he said that those things he denied jesus out of fear but now he's stepping up and he's really entrusting his himself his life trajectory uh to to Christ and this new way of life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's being the leader that he has been called to be and he's stepping up to that despite his last action, right? Despite his last denial, despite his last moment of embarrassment, shame, fear. And I think that's just so relative to how many of us can feel sometimes that we're not worthy enough, which, again, goes and fits, you know, perfectly into this responsorial. Right. And why is it you know, why is it important now? Because as a responsorial right from responsorial 118, this is the day the Lord has made. Right. This is the day the Lord has made. He has made this day. This is it for us to step into everything that we've been trained to do, everything that we've been called to do. So uh, responsorial, Jay's going to just break that down even more for us. Responsorial Psalm 118, 1 and 2, 16, 17, and 22, 23. Right. So during the season of Lent, the church has liturgically refrained from saying Alleluia, uh, which is the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. It carries with it an expression of deep and exuberant joy. So Lent being a time of contrition, penitence, and repentance is not really, uh, Alleluia is not a fitting cry for the church. However, Easter, Easter is the day the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad. As, uh, I'm just kind of inserting that so, because Easter is cause for rejoicing. That is the proper sort of spiritual attitude to have during this time. You know, Lent is a, is a time of preparation and 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 so there's a there's a somber note that we're to observe throughout lent but easter is a definitely a time of celebration we celebrate because we rejoice so that's what this psalm is about now one thing that we should keep in mind is that the psalms were written well before christ well before the resurrection before his passion well before christ was even imagined by anyone <laughs> aside from god so what would have happened for the people of God to compose a psalm such as this? You know, during Lent, we, we looked at a psalm that was about the Babylonian exile and how that was one of the most, that was one of the saddest psalms that we, that we read. And because of the sins of the people, 
God allowed Jerusalem and the temple to be destroyed and the people of Israel to be scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire. And so this was a tremendously sad and traumatic blow to the people of Israel and their history and their culture. However, as as Jeremiah spoke in that in the same set of readings, this was to be a 70-year Sabbath. This period was going to come to an end. And so after the 70 years, uh, 70 years, the Persian Empire co comes and takes Jerusalem from Babylonia and the Persian Persian king Cyrus allows the Jewish people to return to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. Imagine being one of these exiles, a member of the diaspora that we talked about, you know, the, the, the dispersed. After 70 years, they were like, uh, the people who were coming back to Jerusalem were likely born in exile. They probably heard the, the heritage of their parents and their grandparents telling stories about how they used to live in their own land and how they had the temple and stories of David and his lineage and Moses and so on, and how they had this land that they called their own. This was the land of the Jews, right? Now that they were able to come home, that would certainly be a moment of great rejoicing. And so this was a kind of, this is a type of resurrection of Israel. Jerusalem, which was once dead, is now in a sense being repopulated coming back to life and the temple is being rebuilt so i, I want to talk a little bit about a, a verse toward the end of this now now in the psalms they don't include all the all the verses of the psalm but there, there's mention of how god has struck the israelite people a, a heavy blow but that god heals them and and this is what they're talking about to look at the verse there that talks about the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone there's not much mentioned about this, but it was believed that during the rebuilding of the temple that there was a, a mishap and a stone that was cast aside because, I don't know, maybe it wasn't uh, didn't fit their specifications or something. But uh, when they cast it aside, it was actually placed in the correct spot where they were to rebuild the rest of the temple. And so that cornerstone, and when you're building the foundation of, of a building, you know, you Typically, you start with the corners and you build uh, from the corners. And so that that stone became a messianic symbol. You know, the Christians reflected on the story about the rebuilding of the temple and how there is a stone that the builders initially thought they weren't going to use, but ended up becoming the most important stone in the, the rebuilding of the temple. And that was Jesus. He was cast aside. He was uh, the stone rejected by the the temple leadership, the people who were supposed to be building up Israel, and they were tearing down their own God. But Christ being rejected becomes this cornerstone of the new, the new temple, the new church. And Peter writes in his letter how he desires to build this church up with living stones. We are the church, not, you know, not these rocks that we pick up out of the ground and, and uh, these buildings are not the church, the people is the church. And so this is a wonderful, definitely a wonderful psalm that helps to express our amazement at the goodness of God's work. Yeah, no, I love this, Jay, because I know, um, you know, you'll see other churches and their name is Cornerstone Church, or you'll just see the word Cornerstone referenced so many different times. But now we can really, you know, I'm pretty, is now, are there any other times Cornerstone was mentioned in this fashion 
in in scripture because you know psalm 118 now anytime i think of corners i'm like hey go to psalm 118 because that was you know one of the areas or one of the places in scripture where the cornerstone was mentioned where again the the builders rejected stone but that stone was also used to build the new temple so like i'm just curious is there are there any other places um in scripture that mention a cornerstone in this fashion uh there's a reference to isaiah in the in the footnotes of the psalm in the in the new american bible I'm trying to see if I can get the exact chapter. Okay. Okay. No worries. If not, I'll, yeah, like I said, I was just curious, like, you know, um, just again, that idea that we always hear or see the word cornerstone, but now it's like, look, the stone, which was, you know, rejected by the builders became the cornerstone. And I think that that's really important. Again, even in connection with the first reading, Peter rejecting, right, rejecting Christ or denying Christ, I should say, not rejecting, but just denying, you know, knowing him. And then he ends up becoming, right, the rock, Petra, the rock of of the church for the new church, right? I mean, just, again, just different connections. I mean, I know it's not totally aligned, but as we're just weaving through, you know, today's reading, and again, going back to the theme, right? The theme is raised to new life. Um, using uh, something old and rejected and building something new, I think is is amazing. Uh, I just wanted to throw out a, uh, a reference that I s- see in the footnotes of, of the Bible. Um, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, see, I am laying a stone in Zion, a stone that has been tested, a precious cornerstone as a sure foundation. Whoever puts faith in it will not waver. Another sort of a messianic prophecy of this cornerstone uh, but also talking about being used in in building because the cornerstone implies uh, uh, and as a sure foundation, right? Yeah, unwavering faith, yeah, for sure. And and we'll be sure to add these, um, and we'll be sure to add these notes in the description, y'all, so we can give you all these references for um, these other scripture uh, passages that we're including so we'll be sure to put that in the description as well so yeah uh CeeLo, any did you want to jump on that a responsorial uh yeah i think you just you know reiterate what we were talking about earlier um you know just jumping off of the cornerstone um discussion we just had and um you know again jeremy mentioning that these psalms were written way ahead you know even though it was for for something you know even though it was really for them, you know, at the moment returning to, to their own land. Um, it was also made for this day, you know, for Easter, for, for that, for that victory for all of us. And what I just want to reiterate as we were talking about earlier is just the idea that man, up until his ministry began, no one knew who Jesus was, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Mary knew, Joseph knew, you know, a select few knew who he was, you know, um, probably some of the kids he was playing with and saw his, you know, <laughs> like maybe some of his abilities come out or something. I don't know if, if that's the case. That's, that's like not biblical at all. So don't quote me on that. But, um, but he was designed for this one moment 
And in the same way, I feel like each of us are designed for the same. You know, I feel like this is a template that we can lay our life next to and go, you know, there's something that, you know, God's calling me to do. And some of us might not even find out, you know, till we're in our 30s, in our 40s, maybe even our 50s. Some people might find out when they're teenagers, but I think what I'm trying to get at is that your whole life doesn't have to be, you know, uh, an epic. You know, whatever you're doing now, it could be building up to something. It can be leading you to something, and it's something great because that's just how it was designed. You know, again, going back to the reading on uh, on Palm Sunday, you know, the dude who owned that donkey, you know what I'm saying? It's like, who's the dude that owned that donkey? And how did he know that when someone came to him and said, hey, you're, the master has need of it, how did he know? Okay, I, I knew this was my moment, you know? And I, I think it's just important to, to realize that each and every one of us has a place you know, has a part in this great victory, this great plan. And just to be open to that, you know, be open. Don't, don't try to count, don't try to, you know, count your worth through the world, through the way the world sees your worth. You know, I'm telling you right now, your worth in heaven is way beyond what you can imagine. And just knowing that your human dignity gives you that, man, you have some part in this plan that you might not even know about and just be ready and be open for it, you know? Mm. Yeah, and, and I want to just add on to that because especially in this one, this idea or what I'm going to share actually is geared more towards those who are, you know, active in ministry. You know, just play your part. Like, play your part and do it well. And whether it's, you know, in front, whether it's in in the back, whether it's in the middle, like, I feel like one thing about my experience in ministry is a lot of the times people desire to maybe have, you know, what we would consider the limelight or, you know, to have, you know, bigger roles or do more, be seen more. But St. Joseph tells us, you know, hide your heart, (laughs) right? And, And how many times... You know, are we needed with whatever gift we have? And it may not be the most glamorous job. It may not be, you know, the most idolized part of the body, but it all still counts. And and just like you said, bro, you're going to have your time where Jesus is going to say, I need you. Jesus is going to say, I need that gift. Like, so if whatever your role is in your ministry, in your parish, in youth ministry, in adult ministry, whatever your retreat team, just know every single role matters and just do it with conviction do it with knowing that jesus is counting on us jesus is counting on you um and i think that's something that i valued growing up in saint basil's was that there was nothing too small for me to do whether it was cleaning up you know washing dishes after a big pancake breakfast whether it was you know unloading the the vans and all the buses from the retreats, like I didn't even care. Like at the end of the day, you know, I, the spirit of Esther Owani was always with me. And I just, you know, you all know how Esther gets down. Just, you know, simple, just going to work and do the work and do her part. And it's still to me one of like the greatest unspoken leaders of our time um, at St. Basil for many reasons. So 
for all of our, our you know, folks out there that are listening right now that are active in ministry, if there's times where you feel like your role isn't valued or you don't feel like, or like maybe you feel like there's more, just keep doing what you're doing right now and do it great. And what we can promise is that when it's time and if it's not already happening, maybe you just don't see it. But in, in God's time, you're going to see how valuable your role to the body is. Um, so just some encouragement for those who might be feeling like, you know, oh, I want to do more or I know I can do more or people, do people even notice what I'm doing? And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, God notices what you're doing. And I always say to people like, just just remember God's watching. So at the end of the day, who's more important, right? Pleasing our God or pleasing other people? And um, yeah, not to just, you know, go off a tangent, but I just wanted to just share that, share that little nugget right there for, for all of our folks in ministry. Yeah, I just wanted to share another word of encouragement that, um, that this psalm brings up. As we're seeking to do God's will, you know, God knows our weaknesses. You know, <laughs> he um, he knows that we're going to, that we will mess up. But there's a certain freedom in God knowing that about us. That means God is has already accounted for it in his plan. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. And so there's a sense in which I think God used that moment to teach Peter courage. You know, I'm sure that before he denied Jesus, he was saying, you know, I'll, I would never deny you. I'm not going to deny you. I'll go with you to death. And then Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the the rooster crows. <laughs> and so, um, meaning before the before morning, before the day even begins, Jesus, uh, Peter was going to deny him. I'm sure that what, what happened in Peter after that, you know, uh, when he was able to reconcile with Jesus later on, when we talk about the appearances, Jesus has this reconciling moment with Peter where he asks him, Peter, do you love me? And he asks this three times, and Peter says, Lord, I do love you. I'm sure that during that time, there's this moment where Peter remembered when he denied Jesus and said to himself, never again. He was he was true to that word uh, that, that second time, that uh, he was going to stay strong. Hmm. It's not how you, hey, it's not... Yeah, it's not how you start; it's how you finish, right? In that in that sense, and and so for all of our, you know, uh, Saint Matthews out there, for all of our entrepreneurs, all of our accounting folks, our people that are into the numbers, you know, the when Jay was talking about Jesus knowing our weaknesses, like he already got the balance sheet, y'all. He already got the balance sheet. He knows <laughs> what the profits are going to be, what the losses are going to be. Everything's already balanced out. So that's not anything that I feel, again, in our own humanness, we want to make up for. We're like, oh, you know, we we can't do this, you know, so we're going to make up for it this way. But it's like, no, no, Jesus, you know, he, he got the balance sheet already and he knows exactly um, where we're going to um, falter in that sense Um so I love how you how you said, you know, he already accounted all of our weaknesses and, you know, with our strengths. So in that sense that we already kind of have the balance, but we have to trust in our human ways when we do, you know, fall short. And when we do like exhibit those weaknesses, are we, you know, going to focus on that or are we going to, again, balance ourselves out and get back to knowing what we're good at? And then again, just making those adjustments. So cool. Um yeah, second reading. Uh, we're going to actually, there's two options here in Colossians. Um, and I'm sorry, take that back. 
So for our second reading today, there's actually two options, one from the book of Colossians and one from 1 Corinthians, um, and they're fairly short. So we're going to go ahead and just break down both of those readings. And the first one is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6b through 8. Uh, so these are both letters from Paul to their respective churches, the church in Colossus and the other church in Corinth. But they pretty much have the same message, just said a little bit differently. The people in, in uh, for the Colossians, Peter kind of just is more straightforward. He says, seek what is above. And uh, this above, he's saying, as opposed to what is on earth. Think of what is above, not, not of what is on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What he's really saying here is, you know, in light of the revelation that Christ has suffered, died, and rose again and now is now seated at the right hand of the Father, he is above. You have to think in, in sort of spiritual uh, theological terms, not, not literal. You know, he's not up in the clouds or up in the sky somewhere. What is above, he's transcended this, this world and he is now in heaven. And so uh, we who are baptized into Christ's life now find ourselves living for heaven, and our home is heaven. Therefore, we should be seeking heaven and all the things of heaven and not uh, uh, what is on earth. You know, we can use the things of earth and see this life on earth as a pilgrimage, but ultimately, earth is not the final destination. Our final destination, our home is heaven. And so that comes with a certain lifestyle, seeing all these things that we have are, are transitory, but what we truly treasure where our heart should be is a life in heaven with Christ. That's the, the message to the Colossians. Uh, to the Corinthians, it's a similar thing. And it, again, it's in light of Christ's death and resurrection, but he does it in a more poetic way. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens all the dough? So clear out the old yeast and become like unleavened bread. The image he's trying to create here is that, you know, what yeast does is it, it makes the bread puff up. If you don't put yeast in the dough, it'll just stay flatbread and become like a pita or like a cracker. He's saying, be like unleavened bread, not inflated with your own pride and the way of the world. The way of the world is, you know, seek power, possessions, and pleasure. He's saying, no, we are now citizens of heaven, citizens of the city of God. Therefore, we need to live in a different way. We don't live the law of the jungle through malice and wickedness. We live sincerity and truth. We live uh, the law of love that Christ established. And so this is the, the new life that we're to live now in light of the resurrection. Man, I, I'm going to just go with this, bruh. First Corinthians, then that first and the, the second reading. I already see a shirt, man. It's gonna be called "Become a Fresh Batch of Dough." <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, become a fresh batch of dough, right? And I love that because you know, right before it, it says like, "Get rid of the old yeast." And here is again, like you said, Paul, Saint Paul, writing to the Corinthians, saying, "Hey, y'all, fresh start." 
like become that fresh batch of dough so that we may rise, not for just for ourselves, right? Not of of our you know pleasure. What did you say it was, Jay? Pleasure, the three P's. Uh, power, pleasure, and um, pride. Yeah, like let's not rise because of power, pleasure, and pride. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, a possession, possession. Possession. Like, yeah, let's not in pride. I mean, let's just add pride in there too, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But, <laughs> you know, like, let's not rise in that way, but let us be the new dough for the new risen people, for the new Easter people. And I just love this, you know, for me, that's that really just stuck out to me and just thinking about how many times do we try to, again, maybe you know, using our old ways, old tactics, old mindsets, and not just allowing just this fresh, fresh start, fresh dough, and let's be yeast to the world, and let's help rise the world. And then in the first, um, the reading um, from the Colossians, right? Just I love what you said, right? Think of what is above. And if we just really meditated on that, and not like you said, not in the literal sense, and ultimately thinking about Christ and his life and what he did. And again, post-crucifixion, right, in this Easter season, think about what is above and what happened and the life. And for me, you know, in his public ministry, all that he did and the way that he was treated and the way that he stood up and the way that he advocated. And and I just believe in anything. I know it says the next part, you know, not of what is on earth, but I, I take that as, you know, I got to think of what's above because of what he did here on earth for me, for me to just really like grab, you know, grab that and, and hold on to that. So I can even just infuse that even in my own thought process and my own action. But the good thing is because that second part of that, you know, verse says not of what's on, not of what is on earth is just a reminder, like, don't be attached to that down here because there is somewhere else to go. There's another destination. So think about what's up top. Let that be a guide to your actions down here, but don't let it be the end all be all down here because there's another destination that we're all being called to go. So until then, and become that fresh dough. It's it's interesting with these two readings because I feel like this really solidifies the the parallel between New Year's resolutions. And new life resolutions, you know, like I, I know we talked about it before where um, Easter's kind of like New Year's, um, New Year's Eve, everyone's talking about, I got resolutions, I'm going to do this for this next year, I'm going to be bigger, stronger, um, faster, healthier, all these things, and it's just focusing um, for that next coming year you want to be good at, and you know, Easter's kind of like our new year, almost like our, our new life. And it's almost like these two readings are setting us up for those resolutions, you know, not just setting us up for the next calendar year, but for the next lifetime, you know, um, you know, getting yourself ready to be on that level, you know, uh, you're going to love this working towards that dark night of the soul, you know, like trying to, Shout, you know, just, shout out to the dark night, man. I mean, shout I, I out to the dark the night simplest. of the soul. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, life goals right there, spiritual life goals, dark night of the soul. Yeah, yeah. And and that's just, 
that's probably the simplest way to put it for non-Christians and the uninitiated and the people that aren't, you know, very religious. It's like, this is what they're talking about. Um, what you would do for a New Year's resolution for the next coming year, Paul's basically saying, hey, come up with a resolution, you know, and prepare yourself to get to that higher that higher plane, to that, you know, to that next life that's eternal. You know, it's not just the next 365 days. It's the rest of forever, you know, for eternity. I mean... It's that new eternal day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just... You know, so, you know, just just think of it that way. You know, it's not just a New Year's resolution, you know, because, you know, I've I've heard some stories of what what heaven's like, um, you know, and I'm sure I can't even imagine, you know, a small fraction of what it's truly like. But if it's as great, and I'm sure it is, as we're being told, I think you should make every effort to make a resolution to get ready for that, you know, and, and that's, that's what it is. Like here, time to get ready for your new eternal resolution. You know, how are you going to do it? You know, how are you going to set up the rest of, of your existence in eternity? Um, and that's what these two, two readings remind me of. Um, you know, not the kind of resolutions that you give up on two weeks after New Year's Day, you know, <laughs> like the kind that you really work on for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And and for our, our listeners out there, if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being with us. And if you're curious at what we're talking about and laughing about with this dark night of the soul, got to check out the last podcast, all right, at number 007. Check that podcast out and just skip to... I mean, don't skip to, but if you want to go directly to the dark night of the soul breakdown, go into the responsorial. The timestamp is in the description. So if you're like, what is a dark night? We're not talking Marvel heroes, y'all. We're talking about something <laughs> real. Be the oh, fire is all I'm going to say. That's DC. Yes, DC. Yeah, DC. <laughs> don't do that, bro. Don't do yeah. that. That's another kind of blasphemy, bro. <laughs> all right, man. So listen, now, one thing about Easter again, we just like last week, you know, Palm Sunday had the extra gospel reading prior to, to Mass. Well, during the Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday uh, Mass, we have actually, before the gospel reading, there's something that we call a sequence. Okay, there's something that we call a sequence. So if you were curious about what that was in the Missalette, um, this is where Jay's going to break down a little bit of what uh, the role is. Uh, the role is of the sequence prior to the gospel reading on this first Sunday of Easter? Uh, so the sequence, you can kind of think of it as a, as a piece of sacred art that's been inserted into the mass, you know, kind of like how, you know, we celebrate church with stained glass windows or, or um, beautiful icons and, and statues. You know, it's a, it's a piece of sacred art that, uh, is meant to help us in our worship. And um, the, the Easter sequence is an example of, of, the, uh, of that. So we read from a poem called the Victimae Pascali Laudes, which is Latin for praises of the Paschal victim. Now, um, we talked about before how Paschal in, in reference to the Paschal mystery, it means Passover. So the Passover victim and a, a victim 
in in liturgical terms in sacrificial terms is the is the thing being sacrificed the victim um and so th this poem arises out of out of the christian imagination and it's been seasoned by reflection on the gospel uh, on the gospels and on scripture uh, on the whole of scripture and salvation history and how the church has under come to understand uh, the paschal mystery and and so and the gospel of christianity has been really fertile fertile for um for the imagination in the production of art and culture through the centuries. Um, and it's because, you know, salvation history has a kind of historical rhythm. You know, there's a, there's a beauty to the plan of salvation that, that, you know, God is sort of weaving history, or uh, I could even say is, is writing history like a poem. And, you know, St. Augustine even goes so far to say that, that, uh, that history, salvation history, and the plan of salvation is this exquisite poem that God is composing, and it's filled with, with con, uh, with contrasts and rhymes and and uh, and cadence, you know, and timing, and so the, this particular poem, the the, the sequence, uh, draws inspiration from looking at salvation history, um, hitting this crescendo of the resurrection and it is uh, and we get this poem and so um just some notes on the sequence uh the the title references the chief image of the passover lamb right and so you know when moses was uh you, you if you've ever, if you've never watched the prince of egypt um definitely watch that i think you can find it on hulu or you know wherever <laughs> and a lot of those streaming services Anyway, um, uh, the story of Moses and the the ten plagues on Egypt, and um, the deliverance uh, of Israel from Egypt uh, by the last uh, plague, which was the um, the death of the firstborn, and so the the Passover lamb uh, it was is a significant symbol in the perpetual institution of the Passover feast uh, for the Jewish people um, to, since, since that time. For Christians, Christ becomes the lamb, the Paschal lamb. Christ is the lamb of God, as, as John the Baptist spoke to us. And so, um, so there's mention of this, of, of the lamb, if you see there, a lamb redeems the sheep or uh, a lamb the sheep redeems. And so um, here there's all, there's reference, uh, there's a kind of cross-referencing going on. There's a, there's a mixture of images. So Christ, who is the lamb of God, is also the good shepherd that he speaks of in the gospel, he himself speaks of in the gospels, uh, how the good shepherd lays, gives his life for his sheep. Um, and so the poem is conflating these two images, um, saying that this lamb, gives its life for the sheep, the, the sheepfold. Uh, so um, kind of a beautiful poetic image there. Um, the next note, uh, we can the poem compares Jesus' work uh, of salvation to a war between life and death. And it 
calls uh, this this uh, struggle, this the Paschal mystery, a combat stupendous. Death and life have ha uh, death and life have contended in the in that combat stupendous. So this is actually a reference all the way back to original sin, and the, uh, I mentioned how. Um, God pronounced that there would be enmity between the children of Eve and the children of the serpent. That enmity is another word for it. They would be enemies. They're, they will be made to war with one another, the, the children of Eve and the children of the serpent. Um, but, um, you know, Mary is the new Eve, right? Um, and so Jesus, who is the offspring of the woman, uh, the, of the new Eve, has... Um, has de uh, dealt the death blow to the serpent, this this ancient war that has been uh, raging since um, since our beginning. And so um, and so the poem names Christ the victor who gains this victory through death. And so there's this, a lot of paradox. So one of the things that we we should be comfortable with as Christians is this paradox because our faith is filled with them you know um, christ the saving victim uh so many things that um like uh, you know mary the our mother mary is virgin mother right um and you know we can point to any number of other paradoxes but you know um it's all part of this the beauty of of god's plan um and the last note I want to point out is actually will lead us into the gospel in a bit. Um, it mentions Mary. Uh, Speak, Mary, declaring what you saw wayfaring. Uh, now, the, the Mary mentioned here is actually not the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, it's actually Mary Magdalene, who was the first to arrive at the empty tomb. Now there will be different accounts of what actually happens and what takes place, but uh, uh, Mary will be considered the apostle to the apostles because she's the first one at the tomb. All the all the accounts of the of the resurrection, or, or at least the discovery of the empty tomb, have Mary finding the empty tomb first, and she goes and tells the rest of uh, the disciples, um, and so she's named the the apostle to the apostles, and so. On this Easter Sunday, we we read this story and we read about Mary Magdalene because she was the first one to see the empty tomb. That's awesome, man. I mean, just like again, so when I think about just the intentionality of how the church, the Catholic Church, has put things together, I mean, it's, it's just beautiful, right? They're like before we even it's like this, you know, nice build up this warm up until this first gospel of sunday and we're like wait wait a minute before we go into the gospel we got a poem for y'all like you know something <laughs> just beautiful for the spirit and beautiful for the soul so i think this is again another reminder for those who sit in mass and just you know are thinking when can we you know be done so we can go out and eat after or whatever you know a lot of the times our mind wanders and we're like oh man i'm ready to be out just just imagine right just like what saint paul said you know think of what's above and i think you framing it this way and knowing like there is a sequence of a poem 
a writing, a, you know, of some poetry to flow right into this first gospel reading in the first Sunday of Easter is just so intentional in a, in a beautiful way. So I invite all of our listeners, all of those who, you know, get distracted or whose mind wanders during mass, which happens to me as well sometimes, right? But just approaching it in that way of like, think of what's above and, and look at the sequence of the mass, which again, we know we uh, owe y'all a bonus mass and that'll become, I mean, a bonus episode on the mass, which uh, we're working on. So, but I think that's really a huge part of how I like to um, approach masses by looking at the intentionality of what the church is doing. And hopefully for you listening out there, you can, you know, kind of hear and see and visualize, you know, not just the, the value and the importance of it, but just like, just, yeah, seeing the, not just seeing the the reasoning behind it, but also seeing the value in it in terms of the value for our own spiritual growth, which leads to our dark night of the soul. I'm going there, y'all. I'm going there. That's my that's my that's my mission. It's calling to you, bro. It's I think your soul's yearning for it. I think you gotta start working on it. And seriously. But I you know what? I just realized where the recap comes from, you know, you know, like when you're watching a new episode of a TV show and they do a recap last on, <laughs> you know, this is, this is it, bro. The, the church, the church made the recap, man. The original recap. Yeah. The original recap. The last original on. recap. <laughs> Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Seriously. Y'all. Like little this clips, is... you know, Mary at the, the tomb, like, where is he? Oh, you know. <laughs> Peter going, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. Jesus you know? who? Yeah. Little JJ? <laughs> Little JJ? Nah, nah, not me. I don't Man, know the church, see, look, the church knew. They're like, let's do a recap so everyone understands how we got here. You know, mm. just so this episode makes sense. Here you go. This is the recap. This is this is the recap from the beginning, man. From the beginning. Yeah. The battle of, you know, from the very beginning. Recap amazing amen amen yeah and so with that we're gonna just dive right into the gospel again first sunday of easter y'all the 50 day celebration come on 50 day celebration comes from the book of john chapter 20 verses 1 through 9 once again that's john chapter 20 verses 1 through 9 right so our gospel opens with the line on the first day of the week. Now, remember in in the Jewish calendar, the first day of the week is what we call now Sunday. And the seventh day of the week, which we now call Saturday, was a Sabbath day, the day of rest. That would have been the day that Jesus was laid in the tomb for his, you know, Sabbath rest. So the first day of the week, we we celebrate as, as Christians the new Sabbath on Sunday because of this particular passage, saying that on the first day of the week that this happened, and um, because this this happened, this is a new day. So there's a trans transposition of the Sabbath observance from Saturday to Sunday. So that's which is why we we, we as Catholics now you know go to church on Sundays and and commemorate the resurrection every Sunday. On this first day of the week, and, and this this gospel will be about Mary Magdalene, who comes to the tomb after the Sabbath is over, first day of the week, even before this 
the sun had uh, fully risen. And she finds that the stone was removed and the body of Jesus is gone. She was likely there because, you know, they probably rushed through the burial of Jesus and um, because of the uh, in observance of the Sabbath. If we recall from the, the Passion, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and asks to take down the body of Jesus because of their Sabbath laws. That, you know, someone was, is not to be left, you know, a, a body of a Jew is not to be left out um, in the sun on, uh, on a Sabbath. So Pilate allowed it and they were able to take the body of Jesus they probably rushed through, you know, the burial preparation and they couldn't do it on the, on the Sabbath because we were supposed to be resting. And so Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, I think ready to probably finish the you know, anointing of Jesus' body to prepare it for final rest. But she comes and finds the tomb empty. And so she runs to, uh, to Peter and, now, the disciple whom Jesus loved is code for John himself, the, the writer of this gospel. But it's also meant to be code for us. We're supposed to be able to place ourselves in John's shoes as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And this, uh, if you read the gospel of John with that lens, there's a certain sense in which your faith really comes alive because, you know, there are certain things that, that only the beloved disciple does. Like when Jesus was was speaking at the Last Supper and he was talking about his de- his his impending death, Peter kind of leans over to John, um, the the beloved disciple, and asks him uh, to ask Jesus what he's talking about. And so we see that the beloved disciple rest on Jesus's breast and and then asks, you know, what do you mean? What are, what are you trying to say? And so there's this this intimacy that we're supposed to have as Jesus's beloved, you know. And then it's the same disciple that on the cross Jesus uh, speaks to and says, "Behold your mother," and to Mary, "Behold your son." Right. Uh, so and from that day, the disciple took Mary into her home. We're supposed to do that as well as Jesus's disciples, um, given to Mary as Mary's son, you know, we're supposed to take Mary into our home. And and so Mary is part of our devotion as Catholics. So the beloved disciple is there with Peter uh, when Mary is first delivering this news. And so they run to the tomb. John is supposedly, by tradition, the youngest of the disciples, of the the 12 and of uh, the apostles. And so he outruns Peter. He gets to the tomb first, but he waits for Peter. Peter is the one that first goes in. And they see the burial claws. Now, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, Mary says, they have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. And notice that Mary is speaking they. She doesn't know what's happened, right? She thinks that somebody has stolen Jesus' body, that, you know, that, you know, in a political, uh, perhaps in a political move or something to take away credibility or to even further demoralize the followers of Christ. She thinks that maybe some people had come and stolen the body of Jesus so that the followers of Christ don't do anything revolutionary or anything like that. Perhaps a sign that that's not the case is that they see the burial cloth there. If someone had stolen the body of Jesus, but they see the burial cloth there, that means the tomb, the grave robbers came, unwrapped Jesus, which would have had a lot of cloth on him, 
uh, and then re kind of made it so that it looked like the body had slipped out of it somehow and left the burial cloth there and taken Jesus's body. But that seems absurd to think that the grave robber would go through all that trouble. They still don't quite understand what what's happening, but they can rule out that somebody had stolen the body of Jesus because they still see the burial cloths there. The reason why this gospel is being read is this is our first sign of what had really happened is the empty tomb, this resurrection. They don't quite know that it's resurrection yet. As the day progresses, they're going to be um, appeared to by Christ to various disciples, and they're going to get a clearer picture later. I just want to take a moment to reflect on, on the implications of the circumstances of the tomb and it being empty. Um, but before we do that, do you guys have any thoughts or, or comments, questions? I, I think it's just interesting that, um, you know, on the Sabbath, on their Sabbath, and, you know, this is kind of a weird connection. I'll throw this in later. But, um, you know, that's that's probably, well, let me let me ask the question, I guess. Um, I'm going to assume, and I, and I know time in hell and heaven is different, um, but, you know, in the Apostles' Creed, we say that, you know, Jesus descended into hell. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting, like, man, he, he went to hell on the Sabbath, on the day that everyone was like, nah, you don't work on that day, but he straight up went to hell. And I could only imagine, you know, the look on everyone's faces who was in that holding pattern down there when he showed up, like, hey, y'all, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm fulfilling the, the promise. <laughs> yeah, he was doing work. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it's just interesting because it's almost like that, uh, that parable when he talks about the the lamb, you know, getting lost on the Sabbath. Are you actually going to go out and get him, or are you not going to get him because you're not allowed to work? It's almost like, you know, setting up the the the, the picture for that. Where man, he's going to go straight up to where all the the dead people are. You know, a mixture of all of those, you know, damned and and just waiting. The just just waiting. I think that's that's what uh. Catechism in the Catholic Church, I think is like paragraph 631 or something that talks about that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting that that's on the Sabbath. Um, I know, sorry, my, my mind was like just caught on the fact that, you know, it, it was, they put him in there so that he would not be exposed on the Sabbath. Uh, if it's okay with you guys, I just wanted to take a, take a moment to to reflect on the the implications of the empty tomb and yeah, and some of those special circumstances that um, might pass most people by uh, if if they're not aware of how you know how they used tombs in the time. So Jewish tombs were typically family tombs, and there would be two rooms. Uh, the The larger room, which was closer to the entrance was the room where the newly deceased would be laid on a kind of shelf. And when they were anointing the bodies, they were actually anointing the bodies with things that would help the body decompose faster. And that actually leads to what the function of the other room, the smaller room behind that room, uh, that smaller room would be an ossuary, a place for the bones to be placed. And, you know, so... After the body had decomposed, the bones would be gathered 
usually they would do it like a year later after the body had completely decomposed and all that was left was the bones. They would take the bones, gather them and put them in the ossuary. And being a family tomb, that ossuary would contain the bones of grandparents, great grandparents, great, great grandparents, so on and so forth, going back for possibly centuries. However, Jesus was not placed in the family tomb. Scripture attests that he was placed in a newly hewn tomb, a new tomb. And there's our theme of newness. But um, And he's the first person to be placed in this tomb. And he's also the last person to be placed in this tomb. This points to a question of, if this is a new tomb, who is Jesus's family then? Who is, and, you know, we can point to a part in the gospel, you know, and ask, you know, who are his mother and brothers and sisters? And he says, those who hear the word of God and do it. So this new tomb is symbolic for Jesus's family and that it's empty. It's not just empty because Jesus is not there, but it's empty because we're all not there. We're not all there in the tomb because those who hear the word of God and do it, who uh, have committed their lives, committed, commended their lives into Christ's hands and walk the way of the cross into resurrection will, not, will also not be found in this tomb. It's because heaven is being stormed with not just our prayers, but also the souls of all those he's called friend who has been justified by his blood. So it's just a, I thought it was a, I always thought that was an interesting little piece of connection. No, that's, that's a straight, that's a straight nugget right there. I mean, not like chicken nugget, like you're waiting to have with some sauce, Jay, but I'm talking Ooh. about like gold, bro. I'm, I mean, think about this for a minute, like just the symbolism behind that. He's not in the tomb and the tomb is new, which means that there there's no family because we're the family. And just like Jesus isn't there, we won't either be there. And that in the sense that because, again, going back to thinking above or thinking what's above the next destination. So in the symbolism of ultimately like, yeah, we're going to, if we're truly following Christ by our deeds and our words and our actions, then we too, right? Through, you know, again, like we have the sacraments and we have, you know, all the traditions and all the practices that we have so that we can follow Christ up above. And I think that's just a, yeah, definitely an oversight for many of us. I know I've, this time I've never I'm hearing heard about that it. ever. And so I'm now away. I'm, yeah, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to definitely, you know, include that womb to tomb teaching or, you know, that tomb teaching and, um, and just the way that it was, I mean, it was just so subtle in here, but I mean, you just broke that down in so many ways that as again, it just in alignment with making, making all things new, God's plan, everything that we're talking about. So, and being raised to a new life. So hope you all are catching this, get your pen and your pad out. I know if you're a pod, if you like, if you like listening to podcasts and you typically do them while you're in your car, um, I definitely recommend this be a podcast. You're just sitting with uh, just an open notebook and a pen and, and get your journal out. Cause uh, there's definitely a lot of, um, of depth here. So and can I just, appreciate can you, Jay, I just say, one. man, this is, this is why context matters. You know, this is why absolutely, you know, understanding the Jewish culture. I mean, 
about tombs, you know, makes a huge difference. I mean, we could, I'm sure, you know, the untrained, you know, person could come up with all kinds of amazing analogies about an empty tomb. But to dig into the actual context of the significance of, you know, the, the Jewish traditions that, you know, all, all of the apostles, including Jesus, followed to the T, you know, up until, you know, Christ died. I mean, this is, I, I think I just want to, you know, shout out to, to the Catholic Church for, you know, who says the Catholic Church doesn't do, you know, Bible studies, you know, scripture studies. I mean, this is, this is good stuff, Jeremy. I mean, like, I'm just like blown away by the attention to detail that God put in place. I mean, I know I, I knew before that there was attention to detail, you know, like there's, there's some other things like, you know, Bethlehem means, uh, what, like, you know, house of bread or something mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, the bread of life came from the house of bread. Ooh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that. But it just, again, goes yeah. to show the attention to detail that, that, uh, that God is trying to demonstrate to us through scripture you know yeah absolutely and, and bro jay when you had broke down um the salem jerusha highland jerusalem yeah jerusalem and then um was it the king of salem right you were making all those connections can you break that down one time for us one more time i just like the way you say it uh, so the priest king melchizedek is the first priest mentioned uh in in the bible and he is the king of salem uh you know in but in jewish terms Shalom, which means peace. He's, he's the king of peace. Uh, Jerusalem is actually the same city, like rebuilt later, uh, and becomes the city of new peace, Jerusalem, which means new peace. And uh, Come on, y'all. Look at that. Boy, if y'all didn't catch it in one of the last podcasts, y'all slipping. I love that, Jay. And he's like, he just off top. And and just to just piggyback <laughs> on what Brother Celo was talking about, right? Like the details. And I love how, you know, we... You know, Brother Jay was talking about like, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And yes, John, the beloved, but also reminding us that we are the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which is why he was on the cross in the first place. Right. So. So, yeah, again, like you said, just really, you know, I'll just take a couple words and, you know, Jay will just take something break it down and I can just use that one word and we'll like, we'll go all day just on that, that piece. And uh, another reminder of how abundant God is when it comes to learning about him, when it comes to spending time with him, when it comes to, you know, really applying all of this into our daily lives and our practice. So, so yeah, no, thank you for, again, Jay, just for really taking us there all of us i know myself brother carlo and many other listeners who've reached out have just been showing their appreciation for how we're taking the time to break it down and then also still share common practice practicality you know just different analogies because we want to make sure that we're able to um, reach all the different variety of listeners that are with us on this podcast so again back to whetstone y'all shape and sharpen Mm -hmm. shape and sharpen so is there anything else, Jay, in this last piece that you wanted? I know we covered the tomb. Um, is there anything in the last couple lines there that you wanted to cover? Um, no, just to uh, reiterate that if 
there there is some uh, fruit to be plucked from the tree of reflection if if you do place yourself as the beloved disciple and um, you know imagine what it was like to run to the tomb and you know see Peter go in you know and and sort of be there you know I, I think that that is a very fruitful way to read John's gospel is to be to place yourself in his in his shoes in John's shoes um, and my know. man bro he said pluck the fruit from the tree of reflection as another shirt or something bro bumper sticker all these jeremyisms bro that's all i got to say i'm gonna figure out what to do with that because i just capture all of that every time you say it and that's what i love about editing the podcast because i get to hear all those nuggets so beautiful fellas um as always brothers it's it's always great so as we do in true fashion um last thoughts or no as we do in true fashion final thoughts um, on today's readings, next steps, uh, what would you want to just end our podcast off with for our listeners out there? I'll shoot it over to uh, Brother CeeLo. You're part of the plan. You're part of the plan no matter where you are right now in your faith. If you're not even practicing the faith, if you're hearing this message and if you're not hearing this message, pass it on to a brother or sister, but you're part of the plan. You know, I think that's that's one thing that sticks with me with, uh, you know, this this Easter set of scriptures, you know, um, you know, from the one denying him being the one to announce, you know, the, the miracle that just happened. Um, you know, you could be the one denying him right now. But that doesn't mean that you don't have that part in the plan. Um, and just to piggyback off of what Jeremy said about, you know, picking from the the fruit of the tree of reflection. Um, I know one thing that we've, I don't think we've mentioned it on this podcast. But I know, you know, when I talk to the brothers about it, um, you know, just the concept of gnawing on something, you know, kind of like a, a tough piece of beef jerky you know, you keep chewing on it and you get as much flavor out of it as you can. I'm going to say, you know, take these these nuggets, you know, that are being brought to you and gnaw on them. You know, don't, don't try to cram them all in in one night. Nope, you have a whole lifetime to try to understand scripture. But take one concept at a time and gnaw on it, you know, and reflect on it. Um, and I think you will find that you have a place and a part in this great, amazing plan of victory that Jesus took us to. Bro Jay, thank you, Brother Silo. Bro Jay. Um, it's, it's been a cry of the church uh, from the beginning since the resurrection is... Um, our Easter cry is the tomb is empty. And I, I think that is definitely something to reflect on just those few words and to, to think about the tomb is empty. You know, Jesus was there, but he's not there anymore. You know, and, and just to think about, you know, what, what does the tomb symbolize for us? You know, it's, it's all of our, 
it's all of our pain it's all of the things that that causes us suffering it's for all of us who have you know, lost uh, loved ones through christ that tomb is empty and that's definitely a cause for rejoicing if you're having trouble entering into the this the joy of of easter um sit with that for a while the tomb is empty amen and yeah there's just so much so much here for me uh brothers and faith family out there listening that you know my biggest my biggest you know takeaway or my final thought for each and every one of us is the word rise you know we we really emphasize the word risen and being the the new fresh dough being the yeast to puff up the church um and those analogies and then also bringing it back to you know peter again getting that second chance and being chosen pre-planned like brother carlos said like you are you are part of the plan you are also part of this empty tomb should we listen and hear and follow and act right and i think that's really the biggest calling now and for me the word is rise so many times do we fall but a saint is nothing but a sinner who just fell down and got right back up and using and and seeing and experiencing the paschal mysteries and having this time like brother jay said you know to be humble is to be low to the floor and i know many of us during this lenten season felt that spiritually emotionally with all the things going in in our world right with that you know the hate crimes the racism i mean there's so many issues right now that our country is suffering from that our our families and friends are dealing with directly and indirectly you know outside of even just and if and it affects all of our spirituality so during this whole lenten season during this whole year of pandemic like this is now last year during this time it was we weren't sure what was going on. Were we going to go to church? Were we going to not go to church? Like, is this how long is this going to be? But we knew going into this Lenten season that the pandemic was still in full effect. We knew we probably may not be able to attend mass and may have to do things virtually. So we had like a different start this time. We had a different starting point. But even though we had a different starting point, we still have the same ending point. We still have the same destination, which is above. So a love the way that this Easter season is kicking off so much there to pull from family. And again, like brother Carlos said, gnaw on it, like this beef jerky. All right. Gnaw on it like this beef jerky, even though he ain't eating beef right now, but, um, that's sidebar sidebar. But at the end of the day, take your time with it. Use those timestamps. And, uh, just a quick little note, um, as we get ready to, to take off, we are going to be taking a week off as we have been in the in the vineyards putting in the work we're going to take a week off and we will be back and the next release will be on the third sunday of easter okay so third sunday of easter so don't panic don't freak out when we don't have a new release um next sunday but just know that we are resting rejuvenating resting in christ and more importantly keeping each and every one of you in our thoughts and in our prayers so thank you all again happy easter y'all let us rise know that there is space for each and every one of us because the tomb is empty so as always continue to pray for us because we will always be praying for you god bless y'all amen happy easter